For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Buffalo is the second largest city in New York State, and it's home to the Western New York Area Labor Federation, which is affiliated with us, the New York State AFL-CIO. That region has one of the highest union membership rates in the country, right around 20%. Put that into some perspective, New York State is at about 22.3%. The president of the Western New York Area Labor Federation is Dick Lipsitz, and Dick joins me on the phone from Buffalo. Dick, welcome to the Union Strong Podcast. Oh, thanks, Darcy. This is very nice. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So sometimes it gets a little confusing, I think, when we talk about labor federations, labor councils. Your federation is made up of five central labor councils. Can you tell us which areas are covered and the number of members that represent the Buffalo-Niagara region? Yeah, Yeah, we have have, uh, seven counties. Uh, there's a labor council in Olean, New York, which is in Cattaraugus, and that covers out Cattaraugus, Allegheny. We have one in Jamestown, which is in Chautauqua County. We have one in Dunkirk, which is also in Chautauqua County. We have the Niagara-Orleans Central Labor Council, which is in Niagara Falls and in Lockport. Uh, and then we have the uh, Buffalo Central Labor Council, which is uh, in the city of Buffalo and the county of Erie. So those are five labor councils which operate under the direction uh, as, a, I guess you could call them uh, affiliates or, or uh, organizations that work directly with and, and yet take the um, direction from this, the Western New York Area Labor Federation. And, of course, on political and, and legislative questions, we take our direction from the New York State AFL-CIO. Right. So that's that's kind of how it works. Oh, there's 145,000 actual union members in that uh, region. Very nice. With, a, with, with about 140... Uh, sent either uh, local labor unions or uh, labor unions affiliated with uh, district councils, uh, joint councils, statewide organizations, even national organizations, all of whom pay uh, uh, into the the West New York Area Labor Federation are affiliated with it. So it's a big it's a big labor federation. It is, and those individual yeah. labor councils they're important, right? Because it's really it connects those union members within those councils to their communities. That's the theory, and that's what we tried to do. We we want the labor councils uh, to be the uh, organizing center, the po- not the policy or programmatic center, they, but the organizing center for the activities of our, all of our labor unions in in the western region of New York State. So um, we, we don't want, uh, and it it, has, it doesn't exist where the uh, a labor council endorses uh, somebody for office on their own and is somehow uh, different than the rest of us. We want us we want us to be. A, a joint operation where policy and program is to, decided on, and that includes how money is spent, through the Western New York Area Labor Federation, and then the labor councils uh, take that out to a rank and file. And we hope that they're successful in that because it means we can get to a lot of people through the le- through local leadership in places as far apart as only in New York and Niagara Falls, New York, which is actually quite a long distance. Well, I was, so wonder- I was uh, wondering about yeah. that, those that kind of yeah. challenge in managing, you know, you've got this big city of Buffalo versus those yeah. more rural areas. How do you manage that? Well, we, we, try, to, we try to be, uh, well, first of all, all the rural areas have affiliates generally, which are centralized in the city of Buffalo, not completely, 
but generally, for example, the steelworkers have their main office in in the county of Erie for the region. But they have they have workplaces and locals in all uh, five of the areas that we just talked about. Uh, so there's a centralization of the steelworkers, the centralization of the of the activities of auto workers, the Teamsters, uh, the CWA, all the big uh, labor organizations, CSEA, NYSET. They they have a certain central uh, um, authority, mm-hmm. and we've tried to um, to uh, what's the word mimic that uh, mimics bad word. We've tried to copy that uh, for the purposes of uh, our program and policy being put pushed out to these uh, to these uh, rural, more rural areas. But when we say rural, let's be clear: these are cities. Olean is a, mm-hmm. is a city. Uh, uh, Jamestown is a city. Dunkirk is a city. And Niagara Falls is certainly a city, and so is Lockport. And they're not just cities as defined by New York State's uh, statutory uh, uh, determination, uh, but they're centers of, uh, of life, mm-hmm. of, of political life, of, uh, of legislative life, of, of uh, organizational life for the unions. And um, we've tried to, to, to build the, the connections to these regional population centers, uh, again, through the use of our program uh, in, uh, in those areas. And I think I think it's worked fairly well. It works best in a place where there's a concentration of labor union members. Well, that's Buffalo and Niagara Falls, way mm-hmm. bigger concentration than the other uh, smaller places. But that doesn't mean that we're looking to uh, neglect them in any fashion. We've, we've tried our best to keep them close to us. And this is related to a, the question of national politics and, and statewide politics. We don't want this rift, which has been exacerbated uh, by the Trump administration and by Trump himself, to, 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 we don't want to be part of that rift. We want to bring the working class people together mm-hmm. around a central program and not be split up between rural and city. I think that's a very dangerous thing. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing some of that play out uh, nationally and a little to, to some extent uh, locally as well. So we're trying to deal with that. And so sometimes do you find yourself saying, look, you know, where we have our differences potentially um, politically in some respects, can we set that aside and let's figure out where we all are, um, you know, can agree to something and, and move that forward? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the federations don't work, and this goes for New York State, uh, AFL-CIO as well, I think, unless there's consensus. And we define consensus as two-thirds plus one. So if we want to move forward on a, a project that's only for Western New York, we're, and we, we're looking for consensus from the big unions. That's who sits on the... the uh, on the uh, Area Labor Federation's executive board, consensus being two thirds plus one. When we when we want to give a recommendation for an endorsement to the New York State AFL-CIO, it's got to be two thirds plus one of the of the um, per capita uh, delegates. Mm-hmm. When we want to do um, when we we, we want to uh, when it comes to strike support or support for collective bargaining, we're going to get two thirds plus one. We don't even take a vote. We just go ahead and, and engage if there's a strike or there's a tough negotiations. We and we're asked for help by the affiliate. If a plant's going to shut down and we want to uh, carry out a fight on that question, we want to have the um, consensus of the of the unions, and that's got to be at the request of the affiliate. So if we stick to those principles, consensus on the key questions, which are economic, Darcy, mm-hmm. they're not political questions. The key questions for a labor movement are, are built up around the defense of living standards and working conditions of ordinary members of our organization. It's not built up on the political uh, unity over mm-hmm. some issue that is not, is not necessarily core issue. It's just not. And and uh, as far as uh, I'm concerned, for the last uh, nine and a half years, I've been running this. We don't want that to to come up and, and be in that and, and be that way. We don't want political issues to be splittest. We want economic issues to unite us 
and then we want to find our way to political issues that are based on advancing our living standards and working conditions, they will bring us all together. And we've been quite successful around here. And the proof of that is uh, our work on legislative initiatives and our work on actual campaigns for people we endorse. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we, we are running away from the politics of the national uh, national or statewide. We're, we, we need to be fully engaged. We just need to know what our basis of unity is. And, and on that question, one of the basis of unity, in my view, is a defense of a democratic um, system, of a, of a political system which is based on, on democracy. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of us have serious concerns about the direction the, the Trump administration is going in. But that, again, that, that comes up in the context of fighting for the economic, the economic self-defense of our members. You can't have democracy unless you... You can't have economic democracy unless you have political democracy. It's, it's, it, it, it's a contradiction in terms, and world history proves that out. So, we're, so we're, we're, we're acutely aware of the importance of fighting for democracy, but, our, but we can't do that separate from the struggle for economic justice, economic rights, and defense of living standards. And as you know, I mean, we go around, we, as in the New York State AFL-CIO, our president, Mario Salento, will send us around to, you know, speak with the, uh, different union members. And, and you have always participated yep. that in that as well yep. when we go out to Western New York. And you're right. It always goes back to those pocketbook issues. And when you really get down to it, people talking about just wanting that quality of life, uh, you know, and, and that equality and fairness and safety in the yep. workplace and those kind of things. So I want to talk about the strength of the labor movement out there in Western New York in a moment. But that brings me to um, talking a little bit more about you, um, because you've oh. been involved in the union movement for so long. And what being a part of a union and a union member meant to you and your family, you know, and your your ability to live a, a quality life. I, I know you came from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, right? So, actually, it's an interesting uh, question. Yeah. Uh, for the last uh, 25 years, I've worked for the IBT, mm-hmm. and I was a local leader uh, the majority of that time. But, but in the last uh, 10 years or so, I've worked for the International, uh, running around the country, training other Teamsters in collective bargaining and um, the method, Teamster methods uh, related to collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. So I, have a, I still have a relationship with the International I still pay dues to to one of the locals in Buffalo, so I'm still I'm still a teamster. That started 25 years ago, but I was already pretty well into my career when I when I moved from SEIU over to the uh, to the IBT to the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. I was in my mid 40s, and the uh, opportunity came up to go to work for the large one of the large well the largest teamster local in Buffalo, and I took that opportunity, uh, and I was very happy that I did. And I think it's worked out. Uh, wonderfully for me, and I think it worked out for the. Uh, I, I like to think it worked out for the international and for the local. Mm-hmm. Um, sure it has. And, <laughs> well, <laughs> and before, but, but I worked for eight years before that at the SEIU. That was when I had my first professional job working directly for a labor union. Before that, I was elected president of a large local in Buffalo, twelve hundred people at um, the big hospital downtown. It's a CSEA local, one of the big hospitals. It's uh, called Roswell Park, mm-hmm. and uh, that goes back to 1979. So, I date my my time as a labor leader from the uh, late 70s, right through. I like to think until today. Now, why did I get involved in that? Oh my goodness! Uh, if you ask anybody a question like that, and these are complicated answers. It's, it's complication because it's related to your family history, to your your way of making a living to your particular, what's the word, 
interests mm-hmm. in in life, uh, and mine were always uh, related to uh, politics, social life, economic life, and that goes back to when I was a teenager. Uh, and I, you know, I think uh, I found my way into an occupation, and it's also a profession, but it's it's uh, it's an occupation as well uh, that. Uh, all professions are occupations, but it's a, it's a, it, it starts from an occupation that is uh, distinctly blue collar for uh, for people, which is you you work for somebody else, you punch in, or you sign in, you sign out. I did that for twelve years, mm-hmm. and I'm and it was one of the best parts of life. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I well, and I wonder, you know, and that makes my family history and so on. Well, was your fam- uh, Do you come from a family background of union members? Uh, my well, my dad was a labor attorney. And so that from the time I was real young, I remember we had labor leaders of all kinds coming through my house. Uh, my, my grandparents uh, essentially all were, two of them came directly from um, Eastern Europe, and the other, other two were born literally right after their parents got here. So I'm a second-and-a-half generation American. And uh, they were all, they, were, they came over, they were ordinary people, poor people. They, they managed to get through and, and make it, not without a lot of struggles. Jewish people didn't have it that easy. Uh, when they came over in this mm-hmm. country. And, and I, I'll take the position that because of the uh, direction of the Trump administration, uh, that we're not having it so easy now. I mean, he just made a speech the other day where it's just laced with anti-Semitic uh, themes. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are dangerous times we're living in. And I think they, they're not as dangerous as the times my grandparents uh, lived in yet. But when they when they came over, it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't easy for them. And, and so the labor movement, which is, you know, has a, a vivid and, and remarkable history in this country uh, with its ups and downs, uh, it made sense uh, for a lot of uh, poor people and working class people who came here. And they, while they weren't labor union activists themselves, my, my grandparents, they certainly were very aware of their station in American society. And I never heard anything other than positives about working class people uh, or lower middle class people in their struggle for survival in this country. They, I, I was brought up with that uh, very firmly in my head. Well, so, and and, you know, and you've seen and so you've seen the benefits of you know the labor movement, um, of course. You know throughout yeah. your life, yeah. throughout your career, yeah. and I yeah. wonder then, you know, because I know I've heard you talk about the importance of getting younger people involved and active and participating, yeah. and you know, so how do you get that across to um, the, a younger generation? Um, you know, understanding the you value know, of a union and to get involved in leadership as well. Well, these are those are a couple couple of uh, vexed vexing questions, mm-hmm. but I think solutions exist for for them. First of all, for the labor union to be, remain relevant, it has to stay true to uh, to its mission, its core mission, which is I said a couple times already, defending living standards and working conditions, mainly at place of production or the workplace, but also extending into certain social questions in the community. That's the key, and as long as we do that, I think we we by definition, must remain relevant because we're speaking to the the most important economic and social concerns of ordinary working class people, which is the overwhelming majority of the population of this country and any other country in the world. So we have to we have to speak to those concerns, and we have to do them. We have to speak to them not in a um, rigid way, not in a dogmatic way, but in a real life way by making an analysis at any any given stage or any given time as to what's really important to people. And then finding the programs, the ways and means of, of, of uh, expe- explaining that and, and, and running campaigns that reflect that. 
We have to do that. It's our responsibility. That's why we exist. So if we do that, my view is that the this question of the youth and the young workers takes care of itself. I don't think that there's a, there's ever been a time in any social movement where 100% of the people affected affected by the social movement are going to be leaders of the social movement. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's way smaller percentage of people who lead, end up leading and directing major social movements. The labor movement is a major social movement in world history and in American history, mm-hmm. but it's never been 100% of every working class uh, neighborhood that was involved in in struggles uh, around these questions. It's almost always about 10 to 12% of the, of, of the for lack of a, uh, the more far-sighted people. It's just the way it works. Uh, and, 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 and in the labor movement, there are plenty of people like that, and plenty of them are young. Mm-hmm. But we have to open our, our arms to those folks, and we can't uh, try to discourage them if they have some views which are a little bit outside of what the views are that we've come to. When I say we've, uh, I'm talking about the older uh, leaders, uh, like you know, like myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, or the more so, experienced leaders. Let's yeah, I think that. that's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah, well, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, but yeah, but I'm actually, you know, I've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I gave you the numbers. Um, so, so more experienced people have to pay attention to that. I find one of the most destructive um, tendencies uh, among people who do what we do is the uh, lack of willingness or, or unwillingness uh, to prepare for succession. Mm-hmm. I think it's extraordinarily important. None of us live for, you know, that's the, you know, that's the deal you make, Darcy, is yeah. nobody gets out of this life alive. You know? right. 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 Okay. And, uh, and, and so we should be, we should be uh, modest about what we're, we've done mm-hmm. and try to make sure that there are people ready to step forward right. uh, when we're no longer doing it for whatever reason, whether we retire, we get too sick, we die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that that will take care, that does take care of a large, to a large extent, of bringing young people in. Our, we, I take pride in the fact that our labor movement has a lot of, um, and especially in the last five, six years, I've noticed a, a distinct trend towards younger people coming around and, and um, paying, playing a role. We just organized, we helped the Workers United organize uh, the main coffee shop in, in Buffalo. Right. It's going to have 120 members in their bargaining unit, they're, mm-hmm. they're bargaining right now, and we think they're going to get a contract. They're, I don't think a single, maybe two of them are more than 30 years old. That's great. Now, now let's just say, for the sake of argument, that out of the, those 120, 10% decide they want to be activists beyond being coffee workers. Mm-hmm. That's 12 new people. Maybe it's just something here, but that's serious. That's right. a serious number. That's right. And anybody that's who, and, and I, I've run into labor leaders, I, I can't tell you how many times, they get discouraged because why are all young people? And I and I'll, I'll say to them, wait a second, what are you looking for? You're not looking for a hundred percent of every young person who walks through the door. You're looking for ten, twelve percent, just like it was for us. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, when I when I when I got elected president of this large local, I mean, I was twenty twenty. I, I had just about to turn twenty nine. I was twenty eight years old. I I, I, I knew uh, almost everybody in the bargaining unit, but by no means were all the people in the bargaining unit active. I had a group around me of maybe 10, 12, 15 people that we, we organized this, this thing, and, and, and I've used that organizing principle my whole career. Yeah, and that's usually how it works. Not, You're right. Yes, yes, yes. And I get discouraged when I hear from, from some, and it's not, it's not, I don't want to go on a tirade about this, who say that the youth don't care. Well, what the shit? I'm sorry. That's okay. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck? Um, we, where did you ever have the 100%? Even, mm-hmm. even if you take a look at the civil rights movement of the 60s and early 70s, 
it was massive. But the leadership group was never 100% of everybody who participated. Mm-hmm. That's a silly thing to look for. It doesn't work that way in, in, in any social movement. So I just think program, patience, uh, thoughtful uh, discussions, mm-hmm. and recruitment of, of young people will take care of itself when you do those things. Well, it sounds like you're on the, a good path toward that right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so and let me talk to you a little about the uh, labor movement, specifically in the western New York region. Okay. Um, what right. You know, it's just such a a strong manufacturing base and history. I'm mm-hmm. curious about the changes that you've dealt with being in the labor movement um, over the years and then what you look forward to in the region, that region of the state for the future. Oh, that's interesting. We, uh, we, we at, at the height of the um, uh, union density in Buffalo, Erie County, we were at around 33%, which was approximately um, 10% more than the national average and this is in the mid fifties to say seventy seventy five so we were about ten we were uh at thirty three percent the national average was around twenty twenty two percent um and that was mainly because our manufacturing base here was also uh around uh, thirty thirty five percent of the workforce, and the national average was uh, probably more like uh i don't know eighteen twenty percent so we were distinct we were about thirty three percent above the national average. That changed dramatically uh, with the beginnings of deindustrialization, mm-hmm. uh, and continued for a, a downward trend for probably 30 years or so. Um, we still have, however, we still have in Western New York about 12 percent manuf- in manufacturing. Now the manufacturing has changed, Darcy. There's still auto. We don't. There's not any place that makes steel that I know of in the in the region. There are places that do dif- different things with steel. Mm-hmm. You know, fabricate it and change it, change the shape, and so on. Uh, we have uh, we have an active automobile manufacturing uh, uh, group in uh, Western New York, and we have a lot of light industry, and we have an awful lot of food uh, production, food uh, food um, manufacture, uh, especially in dairy, but also in uh, in grain and in um, uh, breads, and uh, and so manufacturing still makes about twelve percent around here, uh, which is higher than the national average mm-hmm. by. Uh, between uh, 12 and about 8% nationally. So we're we're still above the national average, but it's a smaller percentage of the workforce. Okay. In addition, though, uh, you've seen an expansion of healthcare and some of the um, uh, lighter industries uh, or uh, lighter um, uh, institutions where, where uh, services pr- provided. <clears throat> now you're starting to see, however, a, a bounce back in, in uh, manufacturing, and we, we're hoping that will lead to something in the um, new in the clean industry, mm-hmm. uh, the building of solar panels right, in yep. particular. Yeah. So the so that's and as I said before, the healthcare portion has expanded quite a lot. Um, the hospitality section has expanded quite a lot. There's a, a lot of uh, new uh, uh, downtown development, which is employing a lot of people. That's the interest. That's why we're so interested in spot coffee. We think that. This has potential for expanding uh, unionization into these new jobs as well. So uh, I think our future is fairly bright. The mm-hmm. economy around here has been uh, an uptick for quite some time. It actually started way before Trump became president, just to be clear. But it's it has continued in the last three uh, years, and we'll see where it goes. Um, overall, uh, our percentages are what you said, still about 20, 21%. So we, yeah, that's we, haven't, impressive. Lost, we right. haven't lost anything. We haven't lost anything. Our per capita... Payment to the ELF is uh, steadied, 
even during the worst of the recession, it only went down about 3 4%, and it's bounced back a, a little bit ahead of that so that we have more money coming in than we did for a number of years. Um, so I feel, I feel good that we can, we can participate in economic development from a positive side, uh, push uh, the powers, uh, the um, um, business people and the, the uh, government of, uh, officials uh, towards continuing with a positive economic growth, growth which pays attention to uh, the living standards of ordinary people. And we're interested, we're very interested in participating in that, that discussion and, and pushing it in that direction. That's why I went on the, um, the board of the Erie County Industrial Development Agency. I, I thought it was important when I was asked by the county executive uh, to go on there that we were there as a voice mm-hmm. for positive economic development, economic development that helps uh, ordinary working class people and doesn't just put extra money in the pockets of, uh, of, of developers, land developers. So... You know, you put these various things together. If we can, if we can just keep our heads on straight uh, and, and get through some of the vexing political questions that exist, uh, we're, we're in a we're in a pretty decent shape here to to effectuate very positive public policy. No, it sounds it sounds very We've encouraging. You know, I just saw yeah. the news uh, that National Lieutenant Governors Association summer meetings coming to Buffalo. Uh-huh. So that's yes. it's always yeah. nice to have that kind of national spotlight. Oh yeah, you know, well, you're seeing you're seeing an uptick of. Um, those kinds of, of uh, conventions and conclaves uh, in downtown Buffalo, which you hadn't seen in decades. And, uh, and of course, Niagara Falls still has quite a few of those. So that's, again, I, I, I raised it a couple times, but we're very interested in seeing the um, hospitality industry in the downtown area uh, be organized so that those jobs are not, uh, you know, just minimum wage, no benefits jobs, but right. jobs that actually have uh, good wages and, and something that people can live on. Well, that uh, sounds great. Benefits. That sounds very encouraging. Well, um, it's encouraging, but it's got it's got its uh, it's got its drawbacks. Now, I mean, it's encouraging. There's, yeah, there's always challenges with it, but it That's does. Correct. That's it right. sounds encouraging. I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to uh, end on a positive note. You know, sure. <laughs> let's be hopeful, yeah. especially at oh, the. I, I, this holiday yeah. season before us and everything else. Here. <laughs> but well, you can tell I I'm, I uh, I have a fairly upbeat uh, attitude towards. You do. Most. Well, yeah, I do. That's I mean, good. I, what's the point? What's the point of feeling like, uh, you know, the world is coming to an end? I mean, right. You, you can, Other than the reminding of all of our demise is <laughs> eventual. Well, yeah, that, that's okay. No, we, 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 need to, we need to present a positive program. We, we try to do that, and we, 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 we think we're, we play an important positive role in the lives of ordinary people. And that's... I can sleep very well at night knowing that. that I've been doing you that should. For a lot of years. No, no, that's great. And we appreciate yeah. your leadership out there, Dick. We really do. And uh, we, well, it's fun. I, I just yeah. want to um, wish you and your family a very happy uh, and peaceful holiday. And Thank you. Um, same to you. And we want to have you on again because I know you've got a lot of stories that you can share as well. Sure. Oh, so I, you call me anytime you want, uh, and uh, good. We, and we just arrange it. That's all it. right. That sounds great. Well, thank okay. you very much. Dick Lipsitz right. is the uh, president of the Western New York Area Labor Federation. Dick, thank you very much. Thank you. See you, Darcy. Thanks. Joining me now on the program is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. He was great. A lot, of, a lot of stories we could draw out of him. We'll have to definitely have him on again. He is a wealth of knowledge. Yes, he is. Um, so we were talking, wishing him a happy holiday. Here we are right before our, uh, the holiday. And um, I know that you often share, and I think you already have, or you will be, how people can uh, purchase union-made products. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, all, on all our social media, we're going to have uh, the AFL-CIO holiday gift guide. Uh, you can find it at nysaflcio.org slash holiday gifts. And we encourage everybody, if you're out shopping, to take that extra time and find a, a USA-made, union-made holiday gift. Helps to make the holidays a little bit brighter. Helps keep our members employed and happy. And also, you know, a big shout out to all our uh, Teamster and United uh, Postal Service brothers and Absolutely. sisters that are working around the clock mm-hmm. to deliver packages and make sure that everybody's holiday is is bright. I saw so. something um, just recently on social media, of course, where someone was leaving out a basket of like snacks and yeah. water and soda and telling the those folks to help themselves. You know, they've got some long days and long hours. They're pushing through. And and, and same with all the retail workers, right? Mm-hmm. That are that are out working till all hours of the night. Right. And, uh, you know. It would definitely appreciate everybody working hard. And we know on New York State Department of Labor, they've reached out and they're also sharing that message of union products. So we'll be cross posting that stuff on social media. So we hope everybody will, will like that and share it around as well. Yeah. And I, and I can't have anything from Western New York without saying, let's go Bills. Oh, because I right- meant to tell them about that. That's right. They're <laughs> I doing mean, right really now they're well. doing amazing. So, yeah, That's it's right. been exciting they, to watch. They have the Steelers they got to take on this, this coming weekend and the real potential there. I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned that. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.